Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch's sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com code odyssey. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of From the Heart Conversations with Yoga Girl. I am so happy (laughs) right now. I am just abundantly, excitedly, stupid, happy, which I'm really, (laughs) I'm excited about feeling happy right now. I just came out of the pool. I spent the morning baking scones and swimming with my daughter and my husband, just having a very, it's Wednesday today, but it feels like it's a Sunday. We just came out of a month-long yoga teacher training program, which means super long days, not a single hour off. And uh, the past two days since closing this program, I've just been really doing nothing. (laughs) And it's been marvelous and fantastic. Also, I had some really amazing news the other day, or I got a little package in the mail, and in my hands right now, I'm holding an actual copy of my new book, To Love and Let Go. Um, I, I haven't shared that much on the podcast about the book, but you know, you, you guys know, most of you guys know already, I wrote a book, it took me five years to write, <laughs> finished it now, it's going to be out September 17th, which is crazy soon. I don't know. It's, it's felt like this very far away thing that's coming, looming somewhere in the distance, but I'm actually realizing now that, I don't know, it's like a, a month and what, a month and 10 days away, a month and a week away from people not just actually having this book in their hands, but reading, reading it. <laughs> and that's something, I don't know, at least my process when I write, it's never, I never keep in mind what's on the other side. I don't usually think about the fact that people are going to read what I write, regardless if I'm writing something for Instagram or a blog or a book. I just write from the heart and stuff comes pouring out of me. And then this book was just so much work, emotionally really hard, physically. <laughs> I mean, I spent so many hours pouring over this book. It's been, it's been, it's been very intense. And then all of a sudden now it's sort of hitting me like, wait, people are going to actually read it. (laughs) It's not just the work of writing it, finishing it, editing it, putting it all together, getting it out into the world. And then it's, it's people are going to read this book cover to cover. What the hell? What? Okay. I get, I get butterflies in my stomach, but you know, the kind of butterflies that are like, I don't know, nerve wracking, I guess is the word. So yeah, that's happening. If you haven't pre-ordered my book yet, it would literally mean the entire world to me if right after this podcast or as you're listening to this podcast or sometime today, if you went to Amazon, Barnes and Noble, wherever you get your books, just search Rachel Rathen or search to love and let go and pre-order the book. Pre-orders are basically, there are some of the most important parts of selling a book. So how many books are pre-ordered is somehow factored into the fact whether or not your book ends up on the bestseller lists or not, which is of course a really, 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 really important thing and a huge thing and, you know, kind of can change the whole fate of the entire book. So if you're waiting and you're hoping to, you know, one day this book will come out in my language or I'm going to buy it later, I'm going to buy when it's out, please buy it right now. Please go pre-order it right now. 
it makes a huge, huge, huge difference for me and my heart. <laughs> and I would just appreciate it so much. So if you're thinking that you're, you know already you want to read it, don't wait. Jump on it right now. You can also go to my Instagram bio and just click the link there and you'll find the book right away. If you're not in the US, you can go to Book Depository. You can get the book delivered to any country in the whole world from there. So, oh my God, I feel like I'm rambling because I'm super, super, super nervous. <laughs> Along with this book release comes a lot of travel for me. So if you're somewhere around the U.S., I'm going to have about, I think, 10 destinations in the U.S. over about a month, September, October. We're super close to releasing the dates. There'll be some yoga classes, some book signings, some events. It's been a really long time since I actually you know, traveled around and, and did this kind of stuff. We're going to have one very intense week without the baby. <laughs> We're going to leave the baby at home with my mom uh, just because it's a new city and a new, you know, new thing every day. And it's just, I think, a little much to do that with her. And then we're going to have a couple of trips with her, just bringing her along. So hopefully I'll get to hug and squeeze and talk to and, you know, like share with some of you guys in person within the next couple months, which is crazy exciting. Crazy, crazy, crazy exciting. <sighs> okay. <laughs> I need to like take a, take a step back and, and, and drop into some form of, you know, introspection right now. How about we all do that together? <laughs> so if you'd like just placing your hands in your lap or out in front of you, if you're standing up, palms of the hands facing up to the sky. So that's a gesture of receiving. Yeah, it's kind of a, a gesture of just laying back or sitting back and relying on the universe to provide us what we need. And sometimes I'll just kind of come to this gesture, this mudra in a sense of I'm here, I'm ready. Give it to me, <laughs> especially on days when I don't really know what I need or I don't feel like I know where I'm going or just in that space of, okay, I'm ready to receive whatever the world wants to bring my way. Let's go. So palms of the hands facing up and let's close the eyes. <sighs> let's just take a couple of breaths here. Let's really tune into the breath right now. So super, super presence around the breath in and the breath out. And just following the sound of my voice and listening to the sound of your own breath, if you can hear it, or at least following the flow of the breath in and also the breath out. So feeling the air flow being brought in through the nostrils, we breathe in through the nose and then following that flow of air as it moves through the body. So all the way down the back of the throat, you can maybe feel the breath expanding for a moment inside of your chest, your ribs, past your solar plexus, and eventually bring that breath in all the way down to the bottom of the belly where you can actually feel or envision, imagine that sensation of, of the belly expanding to really hold the space for all of that breath in. And as you exhale, you can get really present and follow the breath every step of the way, all the way back out. So you feel or envision the belly contracting back again, which helps you to push the breath back out and it moves past the rib cage, the solar plexus, past the chest, past the collarbones, past the back of the throat, all the way out through the nostrils again and the breath merges with our surroundings with the air surrounding you right there so so many things are involved with every breath in and every breath out and see if you can really become mega present with every change every transition every feeling that passes through the body as you breathe 
So full breaths in through the nose, noticing the breath and where it's going. And full breath out through the nose, just following with your awareness that breath every step of the way. Let's take a few moments just like that, just to be present here now, your body, your breath this moment. Full inhale, following the breath with your awareness from the nostrils down to the bottom of the belly. And through the nose, full breath out, following the breath out from the belly, all the way back out through the nose. A couple of more breaths, just like that, at your own pace, your own time. Let's do one more cycle of breath, just like that, breathing in. And breathing out. Beautiful. Before we open our eyes, let's take a moment to set an intention. Maybe just for this podcast, if you know you have an hour right now to be really present with yourself, with where you are in life. Maybe you have an intention you want to really set for this weekend or for the day. Something you feel very connected to, perhaps something you'd like to create today. Yeah, something you're looking to manifest, to invite into your life. Let's take one more full breath, breathing that intention in all the way to the center of the heart. Take a moment there at the top of the breath just to hold the intention, holding the breath in. And this time, open the mouth loud and clear. Let it go. Beautiful. Let's blink the eyes open. I'm just noticing inside of yourself any subtle changes. So that was just a few minutes, really, really short time of connecting to the breath, connecting to the present moment and noticing the changes inside of you, just how much can actually shift and, you know, be turned around just from that very, very simple and very important practice of tapping into the breath, being present with the body, feeling what's moving through you right now. I can sense in myself, I mean, you guys can probably tell by my voice, but I was feeling very almost hyper excited and kind of all over the place. And then just a few minutes of feeling my own breathing. And now I feel really grounded. You are listening to From the Heart, Conversations with Yoga Girl. Ladies, we know most bras are just so uncomfortable. That's why I opted to not even wear one for super, super long. But I did miss the support. So what if you could get a bra that's supportive and comfortable at the same time? If you're looking for that, you should look into Third Love. Third Love has created the most revolutionary, comfy, and supportive bras imaginable. Using millions of real women's measurements, they took breast size and breast shape in mind for an impeccable fit and an incredible feel. They offer double the number of sizes that most brands offer, an incredible 70 sizes with cups from A to H, including exclusive half cup sizes and bands up to 48. You can easily find the perfect one for you by taking Third Love's Fit Finder quiz and you'll be among 12 million women who have found the perfect size to date. Their team of expert fit stylists are also dedicated to helping you find the right bra for you and they're available every day via text, chat, or phone. In 60 seconds, your order can be placed and on its way to your house. With Third Love, the details make all the difference, from premium fabrics to expert design. They use ultra-soft fabrics, lightweight memory foam cups, straps that won't slip, and tagless labels to avoid itching to create the most comfortable bra you will ever wear. 
You have 60 days to wear your bra, wash it and put it to the test. If you don't love it, you can return it and Third Love will wash it and donate it to a woman in need. Try a Third Love bra today. Surrender to the support and recognize your power. If you don't agree, returns and exchanges are always easy and free. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra out there for everyone. So right now they're offering my listeners 15% off of your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash heart right now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off of your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash heart for 15% off today. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. So for this week's episode of the podcast, I feel like I have a lot to say. And actually, I uh, recorded another podcast a couple hours ago and I didn't feel good about it. And then I, I went on social media just to kind of ask for some, you know, questions or, you know, what kind of what kind of topic should this week's podcast be about? Because I have, I'm kind of scattered. I've been a little scattered today. And something that's been on my mind really intensely, it's been on my mind for a long time. And I got several people asking me to talk about this, which I feel like is a sign that maybe this is something that we're all collectively moving through at the same time. And that is the art of setting boundaries. This is a big one. <laughs> setting boundaries, it's a really big one. I used to think that the idea of setting boundaries, like it was a very negative thing. Like setting boundaries just means that we're shutting people out or we're keeping people away or we're shutting down. And it's not until I've ended up in situations in my life where I've absolutely have had to draw a boundary for my own mental health, for my own sake, that I've actually realized how important that is and also how bad I've been at doing that in different times of my life. And something that I've realized lately is when it comes to people or situations in our lives that drain us or kind of that suck us dry, you know, we all have, uh, there's people out there who, you know, for sure probably aren't super aware of this or, you know, this, 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 this being this sort of person, but I like to call them energy suckers. And we can all become energy suckers at different stages in our lives and then move out of that space. I'm sure I have had moments in my life where I've been an energy energy sucker. And I think usually people end up in that sort of space when we feel like we're deeply lacking something in our lives and that we don't have control of changing it. So we start looking to other people to help us and fix us. And, you know, we maybe we get kind of complaining and whiny and we latch on to other people in a sense that maybe isn't super healthy. I've had many of these people in my life at different times of my life. And I used to be the kind of person who thought that it was my job to fix everything and to fix everyone. And if someone needed help with anything, I'd be the first person there and, you know, Rachel to the rescue. And I continuously put myself in different situations where I was being drained 
of energy where I was in a relationship, French, fr- friendly relationship, romantic relationship, family, you know, many different ways where it was just a one-sided relationship where I found myself giving, 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 but never receiving anything in return. And for a while, so I had a couple of times, so this is a f- years ago now, but a couple of times where I actually had a relationship where a friendship completely implode because I got to a place where like, oh my God, I cannot take this anymore. <laughs> And I would just kind of like have had to exit that relationship immediately. Like I just got fed up. But what I've realized lately is that setting boundaries for ourselves, that's our responsibility. There's always going to be energy sucking people around. Whether or not we let them in, that's up to me, right? That's up to us. So I can give an example. This is many years ago now, but I had this friend who... You know how sometimes you just end up staying friends with someone for a long time because of circumstance, I guess. So it was just a friend that I've known for a long time and just continue to stay in touch. But then, you know, as time moves on, people change and I changed a lot and my life wasn't necessarily aligning with this person's life anymore at all. And actually looking at it now, like we didn't have anything in common anymore. The one thing that had kind of united us at one point, like wasn't there anymore. We didn't have any mutual friends anymore. It was just... It was just this friendship that once was, but then actually it wasn't anymore. But because of, you know, politeness and, you know, it's just a social thing. We don't just cut people out of our lives for no reason. It was just sort of this friendship dragged on without us actually having anything (laughs) that connected us in a big way. But this was the kind of person who every single time I got a text or a phone call from them, my heart would kind of sink into my stomach of like, oh what now? (laughs) There was just this very heavy, low vibrational neediness to the energy of this person that I just knew every time I picked up the phone, there would be a complaint on the other end. There would be a drama of some sort on the other end. There would be something terrible with some relationship, always looking for some sort of help or advice or what should I do about that? Or I don't know what to do about that. And that was really every single conversation with them, regardless if it was like a work issue or relationship issue or something else. Or, And I just, yeah, I found myself kind of stuck in this weird friendship relationship where I I just felt like I am not getting anything out of this anymore. And it took me a while to actually figure that out because for so long I had this kind of idea that I'm supposed to be there to help, right? That's my thing. That's what I do. So this person now needs something from me. I have to give it, right? They're asking me for something. I have to pick up the phone and be there and talk to them for an hour or give them advice or do da 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 which of course isn't fucking true at all. <laughs> you know, I... I'm a good friend. I can be a great friend. I have a lot of, you know, things to give when I'm able to give them, right? When I have the energy and my cup is full and I have time and space and and love and compassion to be there, which I oftentimes do. But in this relationship, I found myself again and again kind of stepping over my own boundary and continuing to pour myself into this relationship without getting anything in return, which after a while was totally fake, from my end. It was totally fake from my end. I'm, I'm not even sure that this person, I don't think they were aware at all <laughs> that this was such a one-sided relationship because I never spoke it out loud clearly enough. I just kind of took it and took it and took it and took it. And I would complain to Dennis. And then I had another kind of a friend who sort of knew that person and I would complain to them. And then it was Dennis and my other friend who were like, man, just at some point you got to just move on from a person. Like it's time to it's time to just let them know and and leave. And 
I decided to, okay, I have to, I have to really evaluate this because one, how do you break up with a friend without creating drama? How do you, this is a really, really sensitive thing. I, you know, I don't want to create a huge issue or a fight or have some sort of dramatic exit of like, I don't want to be your friend anymore because, Hey, I'm an adult. I don't have time for that. But also that doesn't seem, you know, that's probably not a really kind way of going about things. So I started, and this I'm realizing now I didn't do very well at the time, but I just, I didn't know better. But I started just distancing myself a little bit, which I thought was a good way of going about things. So I would say, you know, actually like this year has been really intense and I'm focusing more on Dennis and work and so-and-so and just kind of gave little reasons of I'm not available all the time to talk middle of the night, you know, whatever's going, I just gave myself a little bit of space, which immediately backfired. And this person just became more needy. And then I started, went from just feeling kind of fed up and done to feeling resentful of like, oh, can't take it anymore. And I went one day into our, we had this kind of WhatsApp chat, that's how we would communicate. And I started looking through the messages that we were exchanging. And I realized that every, and this is without exaggeration, every single time this person had reached out to me, it was because they wanted something from me every time, every single time. And then there were many moments where I had reached out and even moments where I had said, I'm having a tough week and they just wouldn't respond or they would, you know, kind of cut me off. And that would be super short in the end, end of that. But then three days later, like, oh, I'm going through this thing now. You know, can you help me? Can we talk? And I just I'm scrolling and scrolling and scrolling through like years of this weird friendship. And I'm just realizing, hey, all this time, I was there like all these times I picked up the phone all those times like I was there with a bottle of wine like let's talk this through and then not once was that replicated the other way like not once was that brought back my way and it was just it was very like eye-opening to see that with those little whatsapp you know the blue and the green of the messages um and I just realized okay no this is this is I, I, can't, I can't keep going. I can't keep being fake in this relationship because it got to that place where I was just faking it. That's not cool to them, not cool to me. I got to end this. It's clearly not working out. So I had my actual first real live adult friendship breakup, which was super shitty and super hard. And I called them up and I said, uh, so there was, I had kind of been dodging this, this meetup that we were supposed to have. And the person knew something wasn't right, of course, because I'd been acting a little weird. And then I just called and I said, Hey, I don't want to have this be a fight or a thing. I have just realized that I don't think we are aligning really well anymore. And I think that the reasons that, that we were friends, you know, long ago, uh, I've changed a lot. You've changed a lot. I don't think we've changed in the same direction. And I honestly just don't think that we have a lot in common anymore. <laughs> oh God, even saying this now, I'm like, I can feel my heart beating a little faster because it's like, oh, and um, yeah, that did not go down well. <laughs> I just tell you that that did not go down well. I don't know what I was hoping for. If I was hoping for some like easy understanding. No, the person got super upset. And what do you even mean? And where is this coming from? And how can you talk to me like that? And it became like a fight. And then I ended up sharing that I feel like this is a very one-sided relationship. You're only reaching out to me when you want something. I never feel like it's the other way around. And I just don't want that in my life now. And it didn't work out super well. It wasn't a peaceful ending, but it was an ending. I mean, this was many years ago, but it kind of lingered with me for a while as this, what I felt was a really mature thing to do because what were my options really? I could ghost them, not super cool. I could fake it, 
not super cool. The only option that I felt I really was left with was speak the truth in the kindest way possible. And that's, that's what I did. So, and that's kind of, that's kind of one of my first moments of actually, as an adult, at least really drawing a clear line in the sand where I had to look at myself and go, okay, this is not serving me anymore. And for me, I'm the kind of person I really want everybody to like me. (laughs) I really, I don't like this kind of confrontation. I don't, I don't like the idea of someone out there hating me or not liking me. That's kind of one of my nightmares, but I had to create, I know now that this person probably still today, um, they probably, you know, have a very, some animosity towards me or don't like me very much or you know, if I would come across them at a party or something, which strangely I haven't in all this time, I haven't once, it would be super awkward and not cool. Like that's just, I just, no, it's, it's just not a good thing. But for me, it was, it was a really important thing to do. And I knew it was the right thing to do because even after that and the bit of drama that came afterwards, I felt lighter, right? I felt a million times better. I felt like, okay, like I had released a little bit of weight somehow. And standing up for ourselves in different ways is a really important thing to do. And I think when it comes to deciding, okay, I have one life to live, right? We all have 24 hours in a day. My time is really limited. I, you know, I have a full-time job. <laughs> feels like I have more than a full-time job. I have a kid now, you know, my husband, I have life. I have, I have all these things happening in my day-to-day that I'm puzzling every day to make them fit and to make, to kind of stretch time wide enough that I can fit all the things that I, that I do in a day. And I just don't have time for bullshit anymore. I have no space <laughs> and time left in my life for relationships that aren't genuine, yeah, for relationships that aren't real, that aren't even and balanced and have that equal energy input and output. That's so important. And we know when a friendship is working out. We know. We know the friends that we have that it's effortless, right? It's effortless. They're there. We're there. We don't have to maybe talk every day or all the time, but we know that that person is on the other line when we need them. I know that they can reach out to me whenever they want it. I'll be there for them. It's It's easy. We need to nurture and nourish those relationships, the relationships that click, the relationships that lift, you know, the people in our lives that lift us up, that give us energy instead of take it. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that we have to be always, you know, feeling amazing, always happy. No, it means a friend that's just there regardless, right? Because they know that we are there regardless. And there's this balance in that relationship of giving and receiving. It's super important. And then we have all those other relationships that maybe aren't necessarily that effortless, where there is struggle, right? And especially if you find yourself oftentimes, and it also depends on the kind of person you are, but if you find yourself overextending yourself into someone else's stuff, and that you're continuously doing that again and again, or maybe you have the pattern where this is showing up in your life in different ways, not just in that one friendship or in some things, but all the time you find yourself giving too much of yourself at work. Like maybe you're burnt out. You have burnt out before. Maybe you're always like burning the midnight oil. You're the last one to leave the office. You're the one who works the hardest on the big projects. You're the one that takes everything the most seriously. You know, maybe that's, that's a way of not drawing a boundary too, right? Perhaps you are the rescuer or the saver or the fixer of the family who is always there to pick someone up whenever they're, they're going down, right? Who's always there to pick up the pieces and mend things and, you know, be the diplomatic like person to connect all the dots and make everybody happy all the time. And maybe that's draining you right now, right? (laughs) We all have different ways of 
not drawing boundaries where boundaries actually should be set. You are listening to From the Heart, Conversations with Yoga Girl. If you watch my Instagram stories, you probably saw my recent adventure with Lea Luna at the grocery store. It was crazy. She clings on me. She runs around the aisles. She hides from me. But she's super great at helping me put all the items we're buying in the cart. That's her favorite thing. Like all the insane amounts of Bob's Red Mill products that I stock up on every day. From flowers, oats, and grains, they even have protein powders for smoothies and bars for snacks on the go. When we left the grocery store, she said she had a super fun time. I love how toddlers can find the fun in everything. I definitely needed a pick-me-up right after. So Dennis and I made Leia dinner, put her to bed, and then we curled up on the couch to watch a movie with some popcorn. This time we tried a spicy variation, which actually I wasn't sure I was going to like, but I really, really loved it. Dennis loves spicy food. We threw in some hot sauce, some coconut oil, lime zest, organic chia seeds, salt, and Bob's Red Mill's yellow popcorn. It's the perfect snack for a night on the couch, as popcorn always is. If you like spicy stuff too, try the recipe out for yourself. Bob's Red Mill products are offered around the U.S. with products coming straight from their stone mill in Oregon to your couch. They are some of my absolute favorites and you can never go wrong with Bob's Red Mill. Head over to bobsredmill.com slash yogagirl to see all they have to offer and enter for a chance to win some fun Bob's Red Mill goodies. One winner will be selected by random selection each month. For me, something that I think has been the most current I've had a couple of, aside from that one friendship that I had thing then, but I've had a couple of things current in my life just now where this has been showing up. One has been in my working life. So me failing to draw a boundary for myself in terms of when I'm on and when I'm off. And this one took a really long time for me to actually figure out. <laughs> I kept, I kept thinking that other people would draw that line for me somehow, or that life would just kind of <laughs> encapsulate it for me. And here's the thing, especially if you are an entrepreneur, if you are you're running your own business, you're hard at work doing something that maybe extends past regular business hours, right? You're not at a desk working nine to five or, or whatever it is. Those kinds of jobs usually are fairly easy to compartmentalize and put them over there. And then when you go home from work, you're home. So many of us have jobs now where we don't have regular working hours or maybe that line between work and off or on and off gets a little bit blurry. And for me, I had so many years, of course, working with social media, working with my husband, working from home. I've had all these things where my personal life is always mixing in with my work life. And I would have so many moments of just something imploding, like, oh my God, like I haven't had a day off for months. Jesus Christ, I need to just, oh, and I would lose it. Just like, throw away my computer and be like, okay, we got to go on vacation now. And I would just like freeze everything and, and cancel meetings that I had already planned. And I would do all these kind of dramatic things because I would hit a point of feeling like, oh my God, enough is enough. I got to I got to take some time off. And then I would try to implement some sort of boundary for a really long time. I had, I don't work before 10 AM and I don't work after 10 PM. Like this is my 12 hour thing in a day which meant for, it was a rule we had, me and Dennis, that before 10 a.m., we're not on our phones, we don't do social media, we don't do any kind of uh, updates, no emails, no messages. We just were home, we enjoy our morning with a long breakfast. This was, of course, pre-baby. <laughs> and then 10, and after 10 p.m., it's like, that's nighttime. We're not gonna, you know, because I would have moments where the last thing I did literally before closing my eyes to go to sleep was send an email out or book a meeting or do something insane. And then we changed that rule. I changed it from 8 a.m. and then till 6 p.m. 
Uh, and then I had the baby and I became like eight to four. Like I just, that window has been shrinking the more I wanted to, you know, since the baby came and wanting just to have more time to spend with her and not be on. But then I would find myself inevitably, inevitably, like this would last a few days and I would communicate it to everyone like, no, but no one, no one talked to me before 8 a.m. No one talked to me after 6 p.m. Like eight to six, that's the window if you need me for anything. Don't send me any emails. Don't write me any messages. No meetings, like this is it. But then I would be the one inevitably me to cross the boundary that I had set something would come up like a couple of days later like a really important meeting and there's time zones and time difference and it had to happen and that person's over there and I'm over here so it's okay yeah, yeah I'll take that 6 30 meeting that's a.m like that's fine or we would be in the middle of some sort of project and you know had to communicate about that so like yeah yeah, yeah it's okay it's 8 9 p.m like I can I can discuss this stuff for tomorrow no problem and then I would be the one to do that and of course the moment you break your own boundary, you're telling the whole world that that boundary is now out. <laughs> and this is something that I didn't really understand. So I would break my own boundary. And then the next day, someone would reach out to me like at late at night and I would be upset with them. Like, hey, you know, I have this rule. Like, why are you asking me to, to fulfill this or to do this thing when I have this rule? And I would be upset with them. And then I would realize like, oh, I'm the one who set that standard, right? I'm the one who just told everyone by working at this hour, by not following my own rules, that actually you can reach me at any time, night or day, just call me anytime. <laughs> so setting those kinds of boundaries when it comes to just us and our, our pres us preserving our own energy, if we don't follow them, if we don't follow our own rules, then it's telling the whole world that that's not important at all. And we can't even be pissed about it. Like that's really the most important thing. We have to be clear with our own boundaries by actually staying within the lines, us, if we want to expect anyone else to follow that for us, right? Super, super, super important. So that struggle for me has actually got to a point where I just started taking my phone and putting it in another room or turning my phone off. No big deal. And also a little bit of added, I guess, clarity in terms of whatever it is that's happening <laughs> in the world of yoga girl at 9 p.m. Unless we're amid like yoga teacher training or a retreat where of course, you know, we have all these people here and participants here moving through intense things. Then usually we're on day and night, you know, holding the participants. But in any regular sense, like there's really like, what is it in that email that can't wait till the morning? Really? Like the 10 p.m., 11 p.m. work. <laughs> I don't know. I used to be more hardcore in my entrepreneurship of like working all the time, like always keep my inbox to zero, always answer everybody right away, you know, because that's kind of the work ethic that I kept myself at. And now I've relaxed a little bit in that sense of like, it's not like, it's not like we're heart surgeons in some war-torn countries saving lives right now. Like the work I do is really important. I know that. The work Yoga Girl does as a brand, as a platform, as a team is super important. We're doing amazing things for the world. But 99% of the time, it can wait until morning. Like that's, that's just the case. If it's 10 p.m., I probably shouldn't be project planning this big thing. Like I can actually start doing that at 8 a.m. the next day. Like no big deal. So learning how to set that boundary for myself because I was the one who continued to cross that boundary. No one else did. It was me who kind of led the way there. And then I would end up being frustrated and feeling tired and feeling burnt out again. Like I had to decide. And especially since the past year, I got really sick. I kept pushing that boundary. Actually, it was even with, with me, I think it's a, it's a, it's an interesting thing because I end up saying yes to many things that aren't happening until way into the future. 
So like two years ago, I set the schedule for 2018. Usually early 2017, I would set the schedule like two years ahead. So 2018. So all of, yeah. And then, yeah, let's do a teacher training there. Yeah, let's do a retreat there. Yeah, let's do a trip there. Yeah, let's do an event there. Let's do a festival there. Let's do da 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 Sounds great. Sounds great. Sounds great. And then I would look at the schedule and be like, oh, this is getting kind of tight, but this is such a fun opportunity. Oh my God, we should totally do that. Or, you know, this event sold out in one day. Of course, we have to add another one. And I would kind of, you know, that's future Rachel's problem, right? That schedule is looking really intense and hectic right now, but that's not current present tense Rachel's problem that's 2018 Rachel will have to worry about that 2018 Rachel will be able to take on anything she can manage Leluna will be a year and a half by then that's like the easiest age right (laughs) coming from like someone who's never had a baby before that's how I thought and then end of 2018 I ended up in this place where literally for months non-stop I was in program with people teacher training retreats no days off no break no break no break and then I got super sick And at the end of the day, there's no one I can blame but myself, right? And then once you have those engagements, it's like, okay, I got to do what I got to do. And everything worked out. I'm here. I'm alive. Learned a lot. But do I wish that I had taken better care of my health, that I hadn't pushed myself to the max all of 2018? Yeah. Hell yeah. I want a life that's peaceful. I want a life with space. I want a life where I don't feel overwhelmed and stressed and pressured all the time. That's how I felt for most of 2018. So, you know, setting a boundary, number one, you're in charge of that. So sometimes we end up actually draining ourselves from energy, but we're the ones doing it. We don't even need that energy sucking person on the other end. Like we become our own energy sucker. (laughs) So we have to continue to give ourselves space, continue to fill our own cup and continue to set really serious, I think, boundaries when it comes to the kind of life we want to live. Another way this has manifested in my life many times and also currently is uh, working with people the way I do. So when we have retreats and trainings and we have people who literally they fly from all over the world, they come to Aruba, to Island Yoga, and they spend a week with us or a month with us. Of course, it's a huge commitment. And I get that question a lot also from people in the group. Like, what is it like for you to hold a group of this size? 50 people. We take 52 people per group. That's a lot of people. And usually people end up making a huge decision like doing a yoga teacher training on a Caribbean island for a month or going on a healing retreat for a week or, you know, it usually comes because we have been moving through something really challenging. We've been moving through something heavy. You know, life has thrown us some curveballs and we're looking to heal, right? Regardless of, you know, what's really there at the core of our being that led to us wanting to become yoga teachers there's always a big 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 chunk of heart healing required before we can take those steps into that authentic place of teaching so the work we do in the yoga teacher trainings is actually very very emotional and yeah really based on 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 healing the heart above it above everything else but so holding these groups and this yeah I've been doing this for over 10 years I've been doing these kinds of retreats I've been teaching for 12 years Uh, 11 years will be 12 years next year it's been a really hard road of of figuring this stuff out I I I gotta tell you really 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 in the early days and this was I kind of miss these days in a sense because we used to do these retreats Dennis and I Dennis who teaches yoga by the way a lot of people don't even know that my husband's a yoga teacher and a really great one if you want you can just badger him all the time about him teaching yoga because his classes are great he just for some reason doesn't like to teach a lot anymore but back in the day 
years ago, we would co-teach our retreats and we would pick a destination. We go to Thailand and we go to Costa Rica, we go to Bonaire and we would, you know, kind of find a hotel, see if they had a deck, a space for yoga. We would build these packages and we would sell them online and then take a group on and we would go and do these amazing things. So back then we would also stay and live with the participants to so say we had a group of 40 people. We would of course live in the same hotel as everybody else. So we would go somewhere in the rainforest, like this little retreat center in, in the middle of nowhere. It would be just us and the group, which was so intimate, so beautiful. Some of our most, I mean, oh, like I have some amazing, amazing, amazingly memorable moments with these um, early groups that we took on. But in those days, I didn't know, I had no experience, you know, doing this in such a large scale. I just had to learn as I went. And I had this idea that, okay, well, these people have paid to be here for a whole week. So it means that I have to give 110% of myself 110% of the time, which literally meant that we would have, and this was a pretty common thing, 2 or 3 a.m., someone would come knocking on our door to our hotel room middle of the night and it could be anything from like I can't figure out how to get like this light to turn off like something really stupid to someone having a nightmare to someone having a realization from like a practice we had earlier and they want to talk something through um, to something emotional to whatever and you know I would answer that call and go outside and be with them of course like what else would I do we've had <laughs> retreat groups where we've literally like spooned with our participants and we're just like all like this big cuddle puddle of 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 unbelievable coziness and love but where I can look back now and see hey I didn't have even an hour where I was alone that whole week like that's kind of remarkably insane like where did I recharge during those weeks I didn't I didn't I just had that battery on and I would go and go and go and give and give and give and give and give and then after every retreat I taught I needed at least a month just to recover and I thought this was normal I thought this was just yeah of course it's a lot to have a travel for all this time and then be in charge of this group and we would do all this stuff and I'm teaching twice a day like of course I'm tired I know now, now that I know how to do this <laughs> in a sensible way, I know now that if you do it right, doing what your calling is, like living your purpose, whether that, whatever that line of work you're in, which for me is, is, is teaching yoga and doing this kind of work, we feel uplifted afterwards. Yes, physically, of course, you know, if you've worked a lot, you worked long hours, you're going to be tired. Obviously, you need to fill your cup in different ways, but that energetic the energetic exchange, there's also a return there, right? If you're doing this right, there's also something in that kind of teaching and in, 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 in being in that place where you're just in total flow, doing what you're supposed to be doing, where you also have your cup filled up. And I know this now really, really well <laughs> because I'm, 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 I found that place in my, in my, in my life where I, where I know how to do that now. I, know, I learned along the way how to set boundaries. But for a really long time, I didn't. So I thought that those 3 a.m. calls, like, that's okay. And then I started teaching that way. We would have like a welcome circle with a group. And I said, you know, whatever you need, day and night, day and night, that's our room number. We're over there by the corner, room number eight. Just come knock on our door. Like, I would say those things. I would open a retreat group saying like just you can like connect with me at any time just middle of the night doesn't matter big you know I'm, I'm here for all of your needs which isn't necessarily 
a good way to go about these things, really. One, of course, then we had a lot of participants with a lot of stuff that they could have figured out on their own, but you know, I ended up doing for them anyway. So I kind of took away this really important part of, of these kinds of healing groups, the self-reliance, learning that and applying that when we're traveling is a really big deal. We used to have a lot of people who came from, you know, working really intense lives and they're coming on this retreat because they want to have a major life change, but then it takes a long time to wind down, right? It's, it's, you can't just press stop and then, okay, I'm going to go on vacation now. No, uh, but we would have a lot of struggles in those early retreats in terms of like little complaints and people not liking the bed or we're in the jungle and there's a spider there and just it takes usually it takes people a little while especially when we're doing some kind of intense adventurous retreat to wind down and settle down now is it my job to go clear a gecko out of someone's room at three in the morning no that is not my job there's probably some person at the hotel who could have that role right or maybe we can just go to bed and not freak out about the fact that there's a lizard in my room yeah, but we've had like, we've had some, you know, crazy things happen at, at our retreats for sure. But what I learned along the way was that I set the tone for that in the beginning, just by using those words, by phrasing things in that way. Like actually, you know, this is a week, we're all adults. I'm here to teach yoga. We have a schedule for the scheduled events and the schedule exercises and practices and classes and all these amazing things we have on the schedule. Like I'm 100% present, ready to give you my all because that's how this was planned. But then I have those moments where I need to retreat and go and be alone, right? Where I need to have a full night's sleep without worrying about anything, where I need to just fill my cup so that I can give, right? We have to set those boundaries, whatever our work engagement is. And because I was really bad at that, I had a really hard time recovering from these retreats. And part of wanting to open Island Yoga, actually, I mean, we were, this was end of 2015, 20, beginning 2016, we started nailing this dream down, was me getting really, really, really tired from having spent so many years just traveling, 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 doing retreat after retreat after retreat. And what I thought I was tired of was the travel. I've learned now I was tired because I wasn't doing a really good job for myself when it came to protecting my energy with those groups. Now at Island Yoga, because it's home, of course, we're able to set this amazing structure down. We have an amazing team. So even if there is a middle of the night, like someone's locked out of their room or yeah, there is a gecko on the wall or the AC is too cold or something's going on. I am not the person to figure that out because I'm spending all day the next day doing what I'm supposed to do for that week, which is not, you know, be the maintenance person. It's not being the person who figures out the scheduling of the transportation. Like that's not my, that's not where I shine, right? There's other people who are really great at organizing logistics and like doing the administration for the group to work. My work is in the shala, right? My work is to teach the yoga. <laughs> my work is to make that magic happen. And if I'm drained because I'm not sleeping at night, because I'm doing all these other weird things, draining my energy for participants for, for stupid things, right? Things that maybe, you know, aren't even necessary in the first place, then I can't do as good of a job creating that magic in the day. And it took us, it took some time for me to figure that out. Really, it took opening the studio. It took getting a great team in place. It took me stepping away, kind of putting that boundary down of, hey, I don't want to do this work anymore. For me to be able to lead really good retreats, I cannot be in charge of all the logistics and everything it takes for the people to get here and all the ins and outs of food and transportation and excursions. No, I, I want to be there to teach and I want to do a really good job. 
like setting that boundary, asking for help. Like that's a huge piece when it comes to protecting our own energy. Like I'm prepared to do this. I'm here to do this. This is what I'm good at. But then I need this time to rest, this time to recharge. And I need maybe other people to step in and help me here. And now we have this amazing thing going. I mean, it's amazing. (laughs) If you've been to any of our retreats at Island Yoga in the past, what, 2017, 18, 19, past three years. Holy shit, this is our third year. I haven't had a single retreat where I have felt like I needed a month to recover. Like that's not, that's not the standard anymore. I have a day to, you know, kind of a day to sleep in the next day and maybe I'll go get a massage or a pedicure, you know, something. And then like come Monday, I'm ready to roll. Like that's, you know, and I feel so much return from leading those groups. Like I really, really do. I can stand there in the middle of the shala and feel the power of being in my element, knowing that I'm recharging at the same time. I'm teaching and I'm also receiving so, 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 so much. And it all came because I decided to set that boundary. You are listening to From the Heart, Conversations with Yoga Girl. People always ask me questions about my hair routine, but my answer is always the same, as natural as you can go. To me, simple is better, but then again, we're all different. With different hair, different hair goals, different preferences when it comes to hair products. So what if you had one shampoo and one conditioner that worked perfectly for your specific hair? That's why I like Function of Beauty. Their shampoos and conditioners are customized and individually filled just for you. With Function of Beauty, you take their hair profile quiz, select the color and fragrance that you like, or you can opt for dye-free and fragrance-free like I do. And they'll individually formulate hair products for you based on your hair type, hair goals, and preferences. The products are so personalized that your name is even printed on the bottle. I had so much fun taking this hair quiz. They asked me if my hair was curly or straight, fine or coarse, even about my scalp moisture. I chose five hair goals, which all focused around keeping my hair healthy and strong. Aruba is a windy, salty place, and it can take a toll on your hair for sure. Finally, I chose the scent for my products, which was eucalyptus, my favorite. Next was the size bottles I wanted, and then I was done. Customized products in the mail on their way to me. It was as easy as that. You can be sure these products are great for your hair and for you. Function of Beauty never uses sulfates, parabens, mineral oils, or any other harmful ingredients. They care about our animals too. Function of Beauty is 100% vegan and cruelty-free, something that is very dear to my heart. Instead of trying a million things, try something that's actually made for you. Take care of yourself and your hair with Function of Beauty. Right now, you'll receive 20% off of your first order. To get that, head to functionofbeauty.com slash yogagirl and take their hair profile quiz. Go to functionofbeauty.com slash yogagirl to get 20% off of your custom formula right now. We've had a, a, a big moment of failure that I had in, in the recent years because I want to touch on that too. When I did my first yoga teacher training, this was one of these years. <laughs> The baby was tiny. So yeah, it must have been over two years ago. Baby was tiny. She was super little. And we had this yoga teacher t- training plan since I was pregnant, since kind of early in the pregnancy. And I had this idea that, you know, having a baby, that's a piece of cake. <laughs> I was mostly concerned about like the birth part. <laughs> I didn't think that much about the rest of your life part that follows that. And I always had this kind of idea that I can do anything. I can pull anything off. I'm a superhuman person and, you know, give me any task and I'll do it. So of course I can take on the whole world with a baby on my hip. No big deal. A month long teacher training with a seven month old baby. No problem. Like I'll rock that. That did not work out as I had planned. (laughs) And I think I kind of started off that training because the baby was so little. I actually 
didn't want to spend as much time with a group as I have wanted with all the other groups that we've had just because the baby was so little. Like that was way too early to have a whole month away from her. If I could do it again, I would completely, like, I would I would have pushed that training six months ahead, if not more. It was too early. I didn't know, right? So with this group, because I had to sneak away and breastfeed all the time, I was every break we had, I was either pumping or rushing home to go breastfeed the baby. And I had a just impossible time juggling new motherhood with this, this huge group and this huge undertaking of this teacher training. It was just so, 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 so hard that instead of just early on drawing the line of like, hey, okay, I need to make this work. I need to preserve myself. I need to be present for the big things, you know, the big classes, the lectures, all the stuff that we have on the schedule. But then in the in-betweens, I need to recharge. Instead, I did the opposite. I felt like I was letting the group down. And then I ended up spending way more time in the studio than I have for any other training ever. So I would be there for all the meals, all the in-between stuff, all the breaks, all the, we have this work where you're, we have have the groups work in small groups to practice teaching. I would be there with every single person all the time. Um, And at the end of the day, I spent 140 something, 145, I think, hours with this group with a seven month old baby. Um, and the the required contact hours with a lead teacher for a 200-hour training is 65 hours, right? So 65 hours was my kind of required contact time with the group. I was there for 140. <laughs> and, you know, we have a, a whole other teacher that comes in for eight or nine days, and I was present for all of that. Like, I just kept... I just, it was kind of like I opened the door to my energetic space, and I was like, take everything, take it all, take it all, because I felt so drained. I mean, I felt so drained to begin with. I felt guilty. I was wanted to be in all these places at once. And then at the end of the day, and this is how, how this is such a massive, massive learning point for me. At the end of the day, because I overextended myself, what happened was that people started taking. And this is how it works. And it's it's such a huge, huge, huge important lesson to learn that when we fail to set a boundary, we tell the world it's okay to to keep taking, right? We are the ones who have to put our foot down and get really clear with where that boundary is drawn. Because if it's not, it's like we have that door open and it's not even going to be really the fault of other people because it's energetically, you've already said, take it all. It's all yours. Go, go, go. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll give more. I'll give more. I'll give more. And then they'll keep taking, taking, taking. So with a group that, of course, you know, who I love so dearly and I'm connected with for the rest of my life, like we went through a hell of a journey together. We had the only time out of all every single training I've ever done in my life, we had people afterwards write in the feedback form. I felt like Rachel didn't spend enough time with a group. Uh, she was always off breastfeeding. Where reality was that I spent twice the time with a group, right? Twice the time with a group than I normally would blows my mind but because that energetic exchange wasn't even because I felt failed to draw that boundary they continued to feel like I should be giving more right even though I gave more than I have for any other group Uh, there was this absolute disconnect in the giving and receiving because I failed with that in the beginning of that group and it was one of the hardest things to ever really recover from. And I had a really huge moment after that. When I, when we got, I got those feedback forms afterwards, I remember having a full-blown, full-blown meltdown, <laughs> like full-blown actual legitimate meltdown after that training. 
Um, Lea Luna stopped breastfeeding that training because because I was never there, right? Like I didn't spend any time with her that whole month. That was the beginning of the end of our breastfeeding journey. And if I, it was, uh, I would be breastfeeding her now. Like I would be breastfeeding her until she was six years old if she wanted that. Uh, it was a huge heartbreaking thing for me. I felt like I failed as a mother and all those things, but at least like I carried that group and man, like was I present with that group? Holy shit, never gave so much of myself in my life as I did for that training. And then I got the feedback that I was, I should have been more present. And that was, it was like an energetic, like disconnect in my brain where I was like, okay, I'm never going to teach another teacher training ever again. I told my team, I said, this is it. I'm, I'm done. We canceled all the other ones. Never going to teach ever again. I never felt such a, oh, I felt, uh, I'm trying to find a better word than the word that's playing in my brain right now, but I felt so taken advantage of. I felt so almost like appalled with shock that I had given and given and given and given to the point where I was not only depleted, I was empty and it wasn't enough, right? That moment of like, oh, still it, it wasn't enough that I decided I'm never going to do this again. And that was like a hard decision that I made. And after having, you know, spent years pouring into this training and so much work and so much you know, planning and time and money. It was this a huge piece of my offering is this, is this training. And it's the most amazing thing ever. And I was willing to give all of that up just because of that. And, and then, you know, I got the amazing advice from my team who I love so much to be like, Hey, let's not make any decisions right now. <laughs> like coming out of this, let's just like, you need to take a few months and just be with the baby. Let's see if we can cancel some other things around, like just to recover. Like I needed months to just recover from this training. It was so, so, so intense. And then, you know, if in six months you feel the same, then okay, then we, we don't do any more trainings. Of course, like I just needed a little bit of time to get to my senses and realize, hey, okay, it wasn't the training's fault. Like it wasn't the group's fault. There was nothing wrong with the group. It was the timing and me taking on more, biting off more than I could chew. Me thinking that I could be some sort of superhuman person and do all of these things at once and be present with my baby while guiding 52 people through this month-long training. Like, you know, it's crazy, crazy timing, bad decision. Like that's it, not the end of the world. And what can I learn here? And then what was really beautiful for me was that because of because that happened, I was afterwards, like the, the weeks following, I was left with this kind of feeling of oh, this sticky feeling between me and the whole group. And this group that I had, you know, bonded with so intensely that I just, you know, I really felt like, oh, we're family. You know, I'll go to the edge of the world for these people. Like I, I love them so deeply, so dearly. I would hire each of them on the spot to teach in the studio. Like these are amazing, amazing human beings, amazing teachers. We like went through fire together. Like that was, shit was so intense. And it, you know, and when, when the, when the training ended, you know, we're all crying. I didn't want them to leave. Like it was so, 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 so much love there. But then afterwards, this sort of sticky feeling started developing in my heart where I was like, oh, you know, because I had that feeling of, 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 of being taken advantage of, I had that feeling of uneven energy exchange after getting that feedback. And I realized after a couple of weeks, like I can't carry this. I can't, I can't, I can't continue holding this kind of weird space like I have to I have to speak the truth I have to share and we have Facebook groups that we have for each of our 
each of our groups and I had to just write this hugely vulnerable, very intimate, very sad and just be 100% truthful of, hey, here is what happened for me on a personal level in this training. Like here is, you know, how hard it was. And I was crying writing this, like how challenging it was, all the time spent from the baby, all the struggle, the challenge of, you know, never having even five minutes off in the day. Because if I was doing anything, I was breastfeeding, I was pumping, I was freaking out about the baby, rushing back and forth, feeling guilty, feeling like a failure. She stopped nursing all this. And I just put it all all on the table. Like, this is it. I never gave more of myself in my life. And then now I got this feedback from just a few people in the group. But it broke me. And I had to say that. It's just completely broke me. And it's left me feeling, you know, like really unworthy. Like it, it left me feeling so, so, so low. And I feel like I have to clear it with a group. And this is just my truth. And I'm, I'm so sorry. And of course, yeah, the moment I was able to put my really, my intense experience into words, because they didn't know, you know, I look super strong and super cool, like everything's so easy and look at me holding everything together. And, you know, they, they didn't know how hard that was for me. They didn't see all those, like they didn't see my bleeding fucking nipples and <laughs> like crying all night, like getting three hours of sleep with a baby. Like they, they weren't part of that. They didn't see that part of my experience. So once I put that into words and be like, hey, this did not feel even for me. <laughs> what, what do you think I got in return? compassion like unbelievable compassion unbelievable support it was like we were able to heal whatever broke in that in that space you know because I failed at at protecting my own energy I failed at drawing that line in the sand I failed at setting that boundary and then because I was able to to be vulnerable and real and share the hardship of that I was able to heal what was broken there and thank fucking god um, you know, they're my most important, my first ever yoga teacher training group. They're my most important people, our core, core, core community, my, like my, my group. These are my people. I love them to death. And I just, sometimes I think about that, like, whoa, what if I hadn't said anything? What if I had just let that fester there? Like that would not have been a good energy to keep for between anyone, let alone a whole huge group of people. But the learning from that was like, this is my choice to make. This is my life. I can't rely on anybody else to set these boundaries for me. So before the next training, I had to sit down and really look at, my, at myself and go, okay, how can I set boundaries so that I can continue doing these trainings in a way that does not deplete me? The first super clear answer that came to mind was, I need to go home at six o'clock every single day, <laughs> regardless of like how early or how late the training started that day. 6.30 actually is the time now, but it used to be 6 o'clock, now it's 6.30. The baby sleeps at 7.30. She used to sleep at 7, but now she sleeps at 7.30. Um, the baby sleeps then, and you know, I draw that line super clearly that at 6.30, I'm out the door. So day one with our teacher training group, I lay these parameters down super, super clearly. And I say, you know, I'm here to guide you through this process. I'm here to teach. I'm here to be the head facilitator of this training. But, you know, if you have middle of the night issues, I'm not the person you call. <laughs> uh, if you have, you know, problems with transportation or food or questions you need answered, like here's the team. This person is in charge of that. That person is in charge of that. I am here in charge of these sessions. And at 6.30, regardless of what's happening, like in the whole world, I go to leave. And I even say that if you ever find, if you, like, if you catch me right after class and be like, hey, because you want to say something, or you want to ask a question, I'm going to cut you off and be a little rude because I got to go home and see my baby before she goes to sleep. That is how I 
take care of myself. That's my self-care practice of this training. And the beautiful thing is that the moment that I relay that, it's an eye-opening thing for the whole group of like, whoa, that's intense. Like that's a hard line to draw that regardless of what's happening with the group, I go home and I have had moments in groups where someone catches me and they're in an emotional place or they have a really big question to ask or something that they didn't get from before. And they'll be like, hey, 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 can I just have like two minutes of your time? And I go, no, no. (laughs) And in that moment, I always have that moment of like, oh, I sound like a bitch right now. (laughs) They know I'm not a bitch. They know me. They, you know, we get to know each other super intimately. I go, no, I love you so much. I definitely want to hear you. Let's talk about this in the morning. I got to go home to Leah Luna. And they go, oh, yeah. So, oh, my God. So sorry. I totally forgot. Totally forgot. Of course, of course. Actually, I can talk to Katrina about this. And they'll find someone else on the team and they'll ask the same question and they'll get the answer that they need. So this became this, this beautiful practice that I started putting into play in all these different areas of my life of, of actually having to look at what do I need in these relationships in this work situation, in this retreat, in this training, what is it that I need and what kind of boundaries do I need to set so that I can make this work for me? And then I set them and I communicate them to the world and then the world just follows that too. It's, it's kind of remarkable that when we speak our needs, people usually respect them and meet them. And it's this beautiful thing now where I have this this working life of just feeling balance of not feeling depleted of feeling like I'm I'm in this place of flow where I can give not all of myself yeah not 110% of myself because I need some percentage left to take care of me right but where I can give the optimal amount of what I have to give to create the most amazing experience for the people that are there like that's how much we should give of ourselves just the optimal amount for the most amazing experience and it's it ceases to be an amazing experience if it's depleting me at the same time if it's happening at the expense of my own well-being then it's not amazing anymore it's amazing maybe for everybody else but it's not for me right and for it to be a genuinely like heart opening kick ass amazing time i'm included in that group <laughs> and you know to get to that place of really putting our needs first really speaking them to the world, setting boundaries, getting really clear on our energy. It's hard work. <laughs> like it forces us to look at ourselves. It, it requires taking our well-being really, really, really seriously. But the thing is, the moment we do that, we can also do amazing things for other people. We can step up to a level of being of service that's unlike anything you've ever seen before. We can really, really change someone's life when we do it from a place of of genuine care, from a place of genuine ability to be of service, when we're not overextending and overexerting and, and stepping on our own toes, like stumbling over ourselves in the process. We can be of great service when we are whole and we continue filling our cup and we over when it overflows, we use that to give to others. That's a really beautiful fucking thing. And that boundary changed my life. It really did. I don't think I would be here today doing the kind of retreats and trainings and programs that I do if I wasn't able to be really cautious and careful with how I spend my own energy. So what, however way this manifests for you, perhaps you know already now just listening to this that you have that one person in your life that's draining you right now and it could be that they're in a space where it's just you know it's not permanent it's just happening now but they're draining you right now you got to do something about that (laughs) you got to communicate that somehow in the kindest most loving way possible 
set a boundary somehow there. Perhaps you have an energy sucking person in your life that's been an energy sucking person forever and that will continue to drain you forever. Perhaps that's a relationship that you have to leave. Yeah. I'm not saying that that's 100% the case, but it's worth looking into. Like you have a really limited amount of hours in your day and you can do amazing things with that, with that time. You can do amazing things with your energy. Don't spend it on people who aren't giving you anything in return. Don't continue opening that door, telling the world like, yeah, take everything, all of it, take all of me, you know, I'm ready to deplete myself right here. You're in charge of closing that door or keeping it open the perfect amount right? So that you can continue to have that space that you need to fill your own cup. You give and then you have to receive. You work and then you have to rest. Yeah. You connect and then you have to withdraw. Like This is the balance of life. This is the flow of life. And it's just a oh, fucking important thing to learn, you guys. <laughs> it really, really, really is. I, uh, if I look back at the boundaries that I've drawn and those boundaries having come from a genuine place, there's not a single one that I regret. I regret only the boundaries that I didn't set. Yeah. So if you know already that you have people walking all over you right now, you're in charge right now of brushing yourself off, standing up, putting your hand out in front of you saying no. Huh? And sometimes we need help maybe to get to that place. Sometimes we need some support. We need some guidance that we need to talk about that experience. We need to share it with someone, with a friend, family member, therapist, anybody if we feel like we're being stepped on, not heard, not listened to, or that we're continuing to give so much of ourselves that there's nothing left for us, then maybe you need to do something to go fill your cup first. Yeah, we need to first get to that place of, of having enough energy and space and time to look at what we need to be able to actually have enough courage and enough energy to draw that line because sometimes that requires a lot as well. Having that hard conversation, for instance, just get really serious about you and your life. Like you have one life. This is it. Spend it wisely. Yeah. Make really good choices and keep people in your life who fill you up. You know, for every person who's draining you that you leave behind, you open up space to be filled by some amazing human being who's out there waiting to connect with you. A new friend, a new partner, a new someone. Just mm. the world is filled of amazing people. Make space for them. Yeah. I uh super grateful I feel like I shared a very personal story today I never actually I don't think I ever shared that story about that training publicly before so thanks for listening I feel um hmm, I feel good I feel clear right now I love you lots wishing you a beautiful day beautiful weekend and I'll see you next week Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I hope it's helped you set some boundaries. If you enjoyed this show, be sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes of From the Heart Conversations with Yoga Girl. You can find them all on yogagirl.com, on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you normally get your shows. Of course, don't forget to leave a review while you are there. Thanks to the folks at Cadence 13 for their production work. And of course, thanks to my sponsors, Third Love, Bob's Red Mill, and Function of Beauty. Please support them the way they support this podcast. I'll see you next week. <laughs>